I am truly humbled to be introducing this week's guest, Panache Desai. Panache has been named by Oprah as one of the world's contemporary thought leaders, and I first came across his amazing words when he appeared on her podcast, Super Soul Sundays. Panache is also author of the best-selling book, Discover Your Soul Signature, A 33-Day Path to Purpose, Passion and Joy, which has empowered readers around the globe. His new book, You Are Enough, Revealing the Soul to Discover Your Power, Potential and Possibility, is out now. I have been so inspired by Panache's teachings and I cannot wait to hear three of the defining moments of his life. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Panache, thank you so much for coming on the show today. That's great to be with you, sweetheart. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. I mean, where do I even start with you? It's, it, I'm... How, where, where did this all happen? How did it all start? Can you tell me a bit about your journey? So the journey began in London. Uh, I was born into an Indian family uh, in East London and uh, they were very spiritual. So they actually had a meditation center in their house. And the first five years of my life was spent with my grandmother. And as we know now through research on neuroscience and neurobiology, that what happens in the first five years of our lives can be very defining. And so I was very fortunate that I was with a grandmother who loved to pray every day. And all she did was recite mantras in Sanskrit, burn incense and meditate. And so for the first five years of my life, I was immersed into this world of energy, vibration and frequency. And for those of you that are listening that are new to these concepts, what we have to understand is that who we are is more than just a body and a mind and our emotions, but who we actually are is a field of awareness. And that all of these things that we're identifying with are just activities inside of that field. And so I was born into this reality where everything was energy, vibration, and frequency, which meant that everything was possible. And I remember my auntie Vanna at the time uh, was dating my uncle Pervez, and my grandparents were a bit upset about that. And so she would use me as the excuse to go and see him. And uh, she'd say to my grandma, you know, I'm going to go take him out just to get ice cream. And I would typically end up... Um, in a park somewhere uh, eating ice cream and uh, enjoying myself and in the midst of that uh, somebody would walk over sit next to me and all of a sudden I could see that they were dense and heavy they, they had just lost their light their light had dimmed in some way and they would sit next to me and all of a sudden they'd start telling me their whole life story or the parts that were traumatic and painful they'd experience all of the emotion around that and they'd get up and as a kid I would say they would be sparkly and so my life Roxy has been weird from the beginning um, wow. I, I live in a reality, in a universe, in an experience that as much as it's natural, it wasn't normal. And um, this basis of connection for the first five years also allowed me to meet certain gurus and teachers who all recognized me when they met me. They would all say, you know, we've been waiting for you. Thank you for incarnating. And as a child, I never knew what that meant. But they would all say to me, Panache, when you get older, you're going to help people. You're going to help people wake up. You're going to support them in expanding their consciousness and remembering who they really are. And those words have always stuck with me. And so that's where it all began. And um, that, that was the, the formative kind of uh, immersion into spirituality that has now become the basis of everything that I share and teach and express all over the world. Wow. I'm quite speechless. 
What age were you when you were going for ice cream on these benches and these people were just, were they just literally randomly coming up to you? Just random people. And and, uh, it was very strange for me because um, I never, I, I wasn't living inside of any sense of separation. And so literally it's almost like I could feel these things as if they were happening inside of me. It's just that I would be afraid of them. You know, as human beings, we have this deep empathic potential and capacity you know, those of you that are even remotely sensitive can walk into a room in a house uh, and you can know that something's happened there because we understand at the level of feeling, uh, we experience at the level of feeling, and then we try and figure it out at the level of the mind. And so for me, uh, I've always just been this blank canvas and people have just kind of projected what's unresolved onto me and somehow uh, it just gets resolved in them. And I didn't understand the mechanism uh, when I was a child. You know, I just thought it was weird. I mean, this is why I love Harry Potter so much, because, I mean, I, did, I was as weird as Harry under the staircase. Uh, and, uh, and the mechanism is quite simple. You know, we're all infinitely gifted, every single one of us. It's just that we have certain impressions that become deeply embedded in our subconscious. And in India, we call them samskaras. And these samskaras are very, very deep impressions in the subconscious. And they take three forms. They take the form of suppressed memories that were too painful uh, to experience when we were children. So basically, if we had any kind of abuse or trauma, we'll block it out. We won't remember it. Uh, They take the form of repressed heightened emotion like rage or fear or depression. Uh, All of that stuff becomes deeply buried in the subconscious. Um, and then the final one is all of the programming that we so lovingly receive from our family unit, as well as the school system and then society at large. And all of these factors are the only, only limiting factors in the human experience. And so what was happening was that I would sit with people, I would be in this place of pure potential or just peace or presence, and they would have all of these unresolved things in their subconscious and they would come and sit next to me. And all of a sudden all of the things in their subconscious would come into integration, harmony, and alignment. And then they would wake up, connected to themselves, experiencing peace, joy, fulfillment, and oneness. And this mechanism um, has been the very thing that I've been sharing my whole life. It's it's something that was happening through me. Um, The interesting caveat in all of this is that I tried to fit in and I tried to belong. You know, being a, a second generation Indian immigrant into the UK, uh, third generation, actually, my grandfather was the first. Yeah, my grandfather had some very strong fixed opinions about, you know, what you should be studying and how you should be living. And so at some point, I began to try to fit in and belong, as we all do, right? You've done it, I've done it, we've all done it. And here's what happens. We start to lie to ourselves and we start to diminish who we are and we start to diminish our potential because we realize that in order to belong, we have to become some other version of ourselves, and that happens because at some point we, we believe that we're not enough in who we are, right? So we're all born and connected to our essence. Everyone's story is the same as mine, really. We could just transfer the, the, the details, but it's the same story. We're born completely connected to our essence. At some point, we don't feel like we're enough. And then we create this persona and this identity in order to fit into a world where we can never belong, right? And so um, went through school, had a really hard time, very sensitive, um, didn't really get it, wasn't really into fighting and all that stuff. I was more into dating all the beautiful girls at school at that point, which made me even more of a target. And, uh, and I get through high school and just really, really struggling to fit in and find belonging, as I think we all do as highly sensitive people. Mm. And uh, one day I turned on the radio dial, uh, and in, in the UK, uh, we've got pirate radio, and pirate radio basically hijacks either end of the FM dial. And I heard this music coming out of the, of, the, of the radio that changed my life, and it was drum and bass. And, um, and all of a sudden, I started to find this passion for music. And I became pretty much the first Indian kid in the whole UK underground rave scene. So I went from, I went from being immersed in this spiritual reality to being picked on and bullied in school to then all of a sudden discovering that two turntables and the mic will find you a sense of belonging uh, in the world. And actually... The most amazing thing was that um, some of my friends were London's most wanted. Uh, Some of my friends were socialites and heirs and heiresses, and others were just people trying to make it through the day. And I um, found the same sense of belonging in music that I had experienced in spirituality, and subsequently went on to have a pirate radio station and do raves and the whole thing. 
And of course, at that time, uh, Roxy around at that point, that it was very violent being in that scene because um, as the drugs changed from ecstasy to crack, all of a sudden being in the club was a very dangerous proposition because if you step on someone's foot, all of a sudden you could potentially be injured and it could be life-threatening. And so at that point in my life, I was literally risking my life to go to underground clubs in Brixton, uh, after-hours places uh, in central London, uh, to perform music. And got to the point where, uh, even though I was surrounded by people that would never let anything happen to me, at some point the, the violent reality of that world touched me. I literally jumped in a bar by three people uh, that didn't like the fact that I was Indian and in that particular place at that point in time. And what saved my life was that the bouncers knew who I was and they knew who my friends were. And so they very quickly intervened because they knew that wasn't a good situation. And as if that wasn't enough of a wake-up call, um, I didn't want to go home because I was embarrassed. I went out. I went to another club. And this time I ended up in uh, an after-hours club in Brixton and somebody had been shot before I even got there. And so the, the, the Metropolitan SWAT team had surrounded the building. They wouldn't come in because it was basically a dangerous situation with guns in the club and it was a hostage and they didn't want to get involved in a hostage situation. So they had to gradually escort people out. And the, the messages were getting louder and louder and louder. And, and after that experience, I went home and I just said to my mum and I broke down and I said, mum, I'm living a lie. I said, you know what? I'm living everyone else's version of my life. I said, I have to get back to that meditation room. You know, I have to get back to that feeling that I had as a kid with grandma because that's who I really am. That's why I'm here. You know, I love this music thing. One day, maybe I'll come back to it. But really, in essence, I'm here to share this spiritual message and this greater teaching. And um, that moment led to me going to like a month for six months and just living a very simple life. Um, it's crazy, the polarity, right? Go from meditation room to being bullied, picked on in high school, not fitting, on, not fitting in at all, then to the rave scene, becoming completely accepted, and loved by everyone to then all of a sudden go to like a monk and getting back to that meditation room feeling, getting back to that vibration allowed me to peel away all of the inauthenticity and all of the lies and all of the ways that I tried to find belonging, all of the stuff that was distancing me from the love that I really wanted. And it began a much deeper journey of empowerment for me that's led to me now today working with some of the most powerful people in the world, working on a national level, on a corporate level or an individual level, working with individuals that are just waking up all across the world and the country and supporting them in really understanding what it means to be human and why we're really alive. I was really not expecting that, I have to say. I'm quite, I'm shocked by your story. Um, just because, yeah, I, I mean, drum and bass, raving, Brixton, guns, you just don't put that with you, really. And so it kind of makes this story ever more interesting. So this podcast is called The Moments That Made Me, and it's the three defining moments. So would you say that one of your defining moments was on that bench and one of them was re going back to yourself and realizing that you were living a lie absolutely i think i think that the, the the foundational moments for me with my grandmother were the most important because what happens in the first five years of your life defines you mm. and, that's, and that's not to say that you can't change it you can and i've helped so many people uh, shift their circumstance just by unwinding what there is in the level of the subconscious through working with them energetically so we can change it. But the, the gift that my grandmother gave me uh, is the reason why I'm successful today, is the reason why I'm able to help people. Mm. And, the, and, and the other defining moment really for me was being in music because honestly, like, I, I was just, it was horrible for me as a teenager. I was getting bullied, I was getting picked on. I had no place to find belonging. And all of a sudden through music, I found a sense of belonging. You know, literally people were coming to raves to see me, to hear me MC. Right, people, people turning onto the radio station, listening to me. And all of a sudden, it's like I found a place of belonging where it was completely unexpected. But there's something honest about music. And if you love music, music loves you. And all the people that are involved in it, whether they're just ravers in the club or promoters or whoever, you know, they have a genuine appreciation for people who really love the craft. Mm. And so, uh, and had it not been so violent, I probably would have stayed in it. Um, but, you know, of course, the universe had another, uh, you know, agenda for me um, and then you know that, so that's the other defining moment for me is that gave me the comfort level to be on stage in front of thousands of people and talk 
or to relate to any person. You know, literally, I can chop it up with anyone, anyone in the world, because my friends were from every circumstance and every situation. And I realized that we were just human beings. It didn't matter, right? What, what, the, what the circumstance was or what you were born into, we're all just human beings. And um, so those two moments for me were very powerful. And especially the moment where I was basically kind of tapped out of that whole life and had to go back to this rediscovery of myself. Yeah. And then talk me through what happened when you began this rediscovery. What did you, what were your steps? What did you do? Because there are a lot of people listening who maybe have this moment, right? Where they go, this isn't for me. I need, I need to change. I need to go back to my authentic self. I need to do what feels right for me. Stop pretending, stop living a lie. Those things that you've mentioned, but, but they don't know where to start. So where did you start? Well, I started by, first of all, becoming very honest about the fact that if I carried on doing what I was doing in the music scene, I was probably going to end up dead or injured severely. So that, to me, uh, was the wake-up call. And that then led to a deeper inquiry into, okay, who have I become? And why am I the way that I am? And that inquiry in and of itself allowed me to began to peel back the layers that I'd kind of superimposed over this pristine love and consciousness that I was born to be. And in the, in, the, in the meditation center, the ashram, which is a residential retreat center, you know, there's no cell phones, there's no TV, there's, there are no distractions, right? You're just with yourself and you're performing selfless service. One day you're cleaning the toilets, next day you're greeting people at registration, one day you're cutting vegetables. And all the while you're engaged in meditation and what I like to call spiritual alchemy, basically where we're doing all of these practices like yoga and breath work and all of these things to access what there is that's unresolved level of subconscious and transform it. And in the tradition that I'm from, um, that happens to a gift called Shaktipat, which I've come to call vibrational transformation. And what that is, is that when somebody actually gets to a point of clarity in themselves, they're able to then hold that space for other people. And in their presence, they transform. And so not only was I blessed with this opportunity to take a break from it all, but I began to once again uncover all of the gifts that had become deeply buried inside of me. Um, and all of a sudden, I'd be able to help people. Like people walking through the ashram and I'd touch them and they'd have all these mystical experiences where if they were having an issue in their lives, if they had pain, their pain would go away. And I wasn't doing anything. It was all just happening through me. And so this inquiry of who am I really led me back to myself. And the other really powerful defining moment for me was in 2002, 2003, and I wrote about it in Discovering the Soul Signature, was when I was actually sitting on the couch in Venice, California. I'd moved to the US at this point because I just didn't resonate with being in London anymore. And um, I just said, all right, God, like if you exist, I need to experience what you are because I'm not going to be a messenger and be out in the world and help people unless I've directly experienced what you are, especially being Indian, because I'd seen that people had picked up that mantle and had used it to help people and some people just picked up that mantle and used it to help themselves. And so I said, listen, like, I need to experience what this is. And in that moment, I began to experience wave after wave of emotion moving through me. And I, and I felt like my whole apartment was just filled with, like, this presence. And it, and it was, at first it was unnerving. And little by little, all of this fear and all of this anger and sadness and everything that I had a lifetime's worth began moving through me. Once it finished and I relaxed into it, all of a sudden, everything became golden light. The whole apartment was just filled with complete light. It was the most beautiful light you'd ever seen. It was so brilliantly golden, it almost became like a white light. And the feeling associated with it was love. But using the word love, Roxy, doesn't do it justice. Because it's not the romantic love. It's beyond that love. I mean, it's, it's like the, take the love that we have for our kids, and it's not even close to what this love is. Right. And and literally, this is what the divine is. This is what God is. And in that moment, I was shown very clearly that there are no rules, there are no regulations, that everything's been made up by us. That really what we're interacting with is this infinite field of potential and that we are a part of this infinite field of potential. And our journey within our lifetime is to remember that about ourselves. And in the moment that we do all of a sudden, all of these limitations and obstacles to earning more money, having a relationship, 
advancing in our career, whatever that is, all of that stuff starts to come into harmony alignment. Why? Because we're living from our authentic self. We're living from the essential truth of who we are, as opposed to the manufactured version that I had to be being an Indian kid in London in order to just survive in East London. So for people who maybe are newer to all of this and these concepts, how do you get back to your authentic self? So, so the first thing that we have to do is recognize that who we are at the level of our humanity isn't a mistake, okay? That how we think, how we feel, what we look like was created by an infinite intelligence that right now is expanding the universe out into infinity and beyond. So that same intelligence that created all of life, right, that turns an acorn into an oak tree, right, that, that, that facilitates the rising and the setting of the sun, Okay, that the right now is uh, taking care of all the biological functions that have to uh, be undergone inside of you just for us to be able to breathe and have this conversation. That intelligence made us. And so the first thing is to come into the profound acceptance of who we are. And that was the first layer of my journey. You know, I had to accept my thoughts. I had to come into a place of accepting my body. I had to come into a place of accepting um, my choices and decisions. I had to come into a place of accepting my physicality. I had to come into a place of ending my resistance to being who I was. And so the first thing that I would say to everyone that's tuned in is please understand that you're not a mistake. You're not broken. You don't need healing and you don't need fixing. That you have the same spiritual DNA as every other person. You are this magnificent, infinite being. And that what we need to do is to recognize that our humanity is the doorway to our divinity or to our infinite potential or to the authentic self. And so just start, please, minimally by embracing yourself the way you are, right? Start fighting against your design. Start comparing yourself to other people. I know it's hard in the sort of social media when everyone's gram is like on fleek and you're looking at their gram and thinking, oh my God, what's going on with me? But you, you, you can't use that as the metric. You know, how you feel about yourself is important. So the first thing is to come into a profound acceptance of oneself as you are. And that's a journey, actually, that I laid out in Discovering Your Soul Signature. So anyone who needs help with that, mm. uh, when I wrote that book, that's what it was about. It's a journey out of fear into love. And it's a 33-day journey of acceptance. And by the end of it, you'll be a little more peaceful, a little less reactive, and able to experience more synchronicity than you ever have before. Mm. God, I need that. <laughs> Can you um, tell us, before we go on, to, I want to know about your third defining moment, but before that, could you tell us about Soul Signature? Our Soul Signature, so Roxy is her own unique Soul Signature, right? So she right now in this moment is expressing divinity or potential uniquely. And this is what we've forgotten, right? So, you know, we, we go to school, all of a sudden the school system makes us a docile and compliant member of society, right? And that's the function of the school system. And the more you stay in school, the more you learn that being docile and compliant is how you get ahead. You also learn to be obedient. So it's about doing what your teacher tells you to do. And if you don't do what your teacher tells you to do, then you're ADHD or you have a problem or you're in detention your whole life, right? So the whole point of the school system is to teach you to be a docile and compliant member of society and to also indoctrinate you into conformity. Why? Because our entire system depends on us being units of production and units of consumption. The only problem is that the better we get at being units of production, the more five-star our consumption becomes, right? So before, where we were just happy with a pair of, like, Reeboks, now we want Balenciagas, right? And, and this is the nature of reality. But at some point, we have to realize that we're more than just units of production, that we're units of expression. And that when we get that our individuality is our superpower, we win, so this is why it's so important in a world where you're trying to find belonging, like being like everyone else and trying to keep up with, you know, all these people, you know, through social media or through TV or whatever, you have to realize that you're your unique emanation of light in this world and that nobody else is like you. There is nothing else in creation like you. And at some point, it's like you have to be good enough for who you are, right? Because until you're good enough for who you are, you'll never be good enough for anyone else. And actually, that's why I wrote my second book. So we're, we're at a point now where we have to realize that we are loved for who we are beyond what we have and what we do. I actually feel quite emotional listening to this. 
mm. because I mean, I've done a lot of inner work, you know, and I've definitely been on a journey for quite some time. But I know that I still have blocks and I know that comparing myself to others is something that's still an issue for me. And hearing you sort of express these words of being able to just accept your individuality and accept that you are a unique creation you know on the earth and in the universe it it seems sometimes it's like the obvious things are the most powerful you know yeah. and you say it and i hear it and it, it does it makes me feel very emotional you know what it is sweetheart because i think we've spent all of our time in our life trying to be loved by other people oh it it's you know it's my thing that Sorry, mm. I feel like I'm having a therapy session, but it's it's really my thing that has been an issue is this need to be liked. And mm. I get so after I spend time with people or if I have an interaction with someone, the first thing I do as soon as I have an interaction and I've left is I start to consider what impression I made. And I hope that I made a good impression. I hope they liked me and I hope well, I came what, across OK. Here's what I want you to know, right? And just close your eyes for a minute and just connect with me and just take some breaths, okay? Here's what I need you to know. If you never did another thing, I would love you. Like, it's not based in what you're doing. It's not based in what you're, what you're accomplishing and what you're achieving. All of that is remarkable. But, but the love that I have for people is just based in who they are. Because when you can love yourself for who you are, you can then love others for who they are. And that's what's missing in the world. What's missing is the modeling that it's okay for us to just be ourselves. You know, that's what's missing, and especially in the context of relationship, because I can define it to a T. You're in a relationship. All of a sudden, you think that somebody else is the source of the love that you're experiencing. They're not. You're experiencing the love that you have inside of you. You're just projecting it onto them because you don't feel good enough or you feel unworthy in some way. And so then you think that somebody's making you feel a certain way when they're not. Nobody has that power. It's just that in the presence of that individual, you can finally tap into the love that you have inside of yourself. Well, I always say to people, well, why not just tap into that love all the time? Why does it only have to happen in the presence of a boyfriend or girlfriend or partner? Why does it have to be that way? Why can't we just accept who we are, right? And that's really why I wrote this new book, because I want people like you, especially people like you, who have the capacity to make an impact in the world, to get this and I want, and I want you to get this too for, for, the, for your baby you know just just imagine you going through this shift in your consciousness and realizing you know what wow like I'm okay in who I am and other people are going to perceive me as they perceive themselves that what they think and feel about me really has nothing to do with me they're really mm. commenting on, on how they feel about themselves I love right? that could you repeat that that's so good what other people think and feel about me has nothing to do with me. It's really a commentary on themselves. Mm, that's they're not so talking powerful. about me. They're, they're talking about, they're, they're telling me how they feel about themselves. So this is why we have to, especially in this age of social media and where we're, where we're being bombarded by all of these images and visuals that are being curated and photoshopped. This is especially why we have to find a sense of belonging inside of ourselves. Because until we love ourselves for who we are, it doesn't matter what we have and what we do. I've met some of the most successful people in the world. And you know what? They're miserable. And they're miserable because they don't know who they are. They're not at peace in themselves. They can't sit still and enjoy a single moment of what they've created. They've lost the ability to be in the simplicity of life. And, and because of that, they just think that the answer is creating more. And it isn't. And then they just become more miserable. So all of these carrots that are dangled in front of us of money, power, you know, fame, they're all empty promises. They all taste like ashes in the mouth, right? There's, there's no fulfillment to be found in any of it, right? That's just the stuff that they tell you to gas you up, to keep you going, to keep you producing, thinking that one day you're going to get there and you're finally going to feel how you're meant to feel when you have everything. Well, I can tell you it doesn't work out that way. And at some point we have to, to, to become very uh, aware of the fact that what we're being told is an answer and a solution isn't. It's just a distraction. And I want nothing more than for people to just wake up to the truth of who they are and to relax into the fact that we're loved for who we are. You know? That's my deepest passion in life. Oh, 
This is so this is so powerful and so inspiring and so touching. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Baffled, a brand new podcast bringing you some amazing facts that are complete nonsense. Imagine the likes that that would get on Instagram, you having a quick one up a lamppost on the moon, incredible. So you basically <laughs> saying the reason the dinosaurs stopped living is because they all collectively made a decision to have no more children. Oh, they're talking, I think until 10 years ago, I, I still shared the bathwater that my parents were in. You can find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search for Baffled Amazing Facts. When you were talking about in the beginning of your story, you were, you mentioned the need to do things for other people. And I think mm. that comes to the, if we really start to get in touch with ourselves and ask yeah. ourselves how much we do in in one day in 24 hours how many things are we actually doing for ourselves because we authentically want to do those things and how much are we doing for validation from others or Mm. for a pursuit of these things such as you know money fame power um so how do you is it just becoming more mindful is awareness always the first a place to start I mean I talk a lot about the power of pause and I always you know try to encourage people to pause before they think or they act or they say um, and would you use that that as a kind of technique for working out what is for you and your authentic self and what are you are doing for this validation I love that uh, I love that because pausing gives you an entry point into presence and into connection so when we, so one of the things that I say to people is that for every 60 minutes of activity, just take three minutes to just stop, slow down and breathe. Mm. And, and that just almost resets your nervous system. The other thing that I've really discovered is that in the Western transformational paradigm, we have this emphasis on the mind, like everything's about changing your thoughts and beliefs and this and that. And what I've discovered is that actually that's only partially true. What we have to do is shift the level of vibration and frequency. And that is generated at the level of feeling. So what we need to do is become very honest about how we're feeling. So for example, like even with me, like, you know, I was in university, I didn't finish. I wanted to study philosophy, but my grandfather sat down with me and said, Tanash, what are you going to do with that? Uh, Of course, it makes perfect sense now that I would have loved philosophy. Uh, So I changed my degree choice and I chose law and business studies. Why? Because if you're Indian, then being successful at that point meant you were either a doctor or a lawyer. Um, and, and those were the two options. Anything outside of that, you're a failure. And of course, now, uh, if you're Indian, maybe being in IT is not so bad, right? But, but, but we're basically just, you know, living up to other people's ideals, right? And, and trying to appease them. And you know what? I was miserable, Roxy. Mm. There, there was no part of me that loved being at university. I loved the social aspect and the music aspect, but I didn't, I didn't enjoy my classes. My heart wasn't really in it. 
And so we know when we're lying because our heart really isn't in our life. But why do so many people, I mean, so many people are in jobs that they know they don't love. And what do you think it is that keeps them there for so long, for years, in relationships they're not happy in, in jobs they don't like? And they stay in unhappiness for such a long time and doing things that they know that don't fulfill them or aren't them. Why? Because human beings will perpetuate what feels familiar, even if what's familiar is abuse and misery. Because it's known. And transformation happens in the unknown. And that's why I'm so proud of you. Because, you know, in order to really transform your life, you have to have so much courage. Right? But it starts with, first of all, recognizing that you have the power to transform your life. And that you have the power to do that at the level of feeling. And that we live in this universe, in this reality that's responding to how you feel. Right? So no matter how successful you become, no matter what you accomplish, if you don't feel like you're good enough you're not going to be able to receive the fruits and the blessings of everything that you've accomplished. And so what we want is to recognize that as human beings, how we feel about ourselves is paramount. Everything else is secondary. Your level of education, where you were born, your race, your nationality, your gender, your choice of sexual preference, all of these things are secondary. Mm -hmm. But how you feel about yourself every day and the degree to which you're reinforcing the feeling that you wish to commit out into the world is the most important thing. And that happens through, first of all, integrating everything inside of us that needs to be embraced, being open to experiencing whatever we need to experience so we can bring things into resolution. And the more we do that, the more we start to lose our identification with ourselves as that version of us from the past. Like when I talk about myself from the past, it's almost like I'm talking about another person now because I'm so far removed from that experience, right? And and so this is what happens. All of a sudden, we start to live more in the present. We start to be more peaceful. You know, our nervous system relaxes. You know, we're not dumping cortisol through our systems, Mm. right? We're we're able to process information. We're able to rest. Just even rest is a huge thing these days. Like people having such a hard time sleeping, right? Mm. And so how you feel about yourself is the truth of who you are. Yeah. What you present to the world, and no matter how beautiful a prison you build for yourself, you're still not free. You're in jail. Yeah. At some point, you have to love yourself enough to open up those doors to that prison and walk outside and see what's available to you. And that prison can be a job. I have people that are making huge salaries, but they're in prison. Why? Because there's not a moment of fulfillment or joy in what they're doing anymore. I have people that are in you know, relationships where they're just staying because they feel a sense of security. Yeah. You know, so they're afraid to leave that sense of security to, to explore the passion and the love and the, the sex and the intimacy that's really available to them. Mm-hmm. You know, people, people that are stuck in physical conditions that they don't know how to get out of. And I think the biggest thing, Roxy, is that people don't know how to transform. They, they don't know that they have the capacity to do that. And yeah. so that plays a big part in enabling all of this unconscious behavior and choice and dysfunction that we call being normal. Yeah. And this is why I'm such a big advocate for us becoming natural again. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think people don't know where to start and they're told. I mean, I don't know if you agree, but people are told that life is hard. You know, yeah. life is a struggle and you can't have it all. And thing, you know, you're not going to have a job you love. You're not supposed to love your job. Job is work. You know, I think people are conditioned to believe that um, they can't have the lives that they want. They can't feel good and be happy all the time. And you can. Right. So that's that's all of this programming and, and uh, uh, content and conditioning that we've received. Right. That's the only limiting factor. So one one practice that I would like everybody to do every day, in the morning and in the evening before you go to bed, is look in the mirror in your own eyes, okay? And affirm out loud what it is that you do want to experience and write a list of maybe three things, right? So if it's about money for you, then write down uh, an amount of money that you wish to experience. If it's about being healthy, then write down health. If it's about relationship, then write down, you know, what in relationship you desire, right? But what this does is it helps us actually reprogram the subconscious. And the more we repeat it, the more we do it over and over again, the more we're able to transform all of these deep-seated cultural beliefs or societal beliefs that that have become limitations Mm -hmm. for us, right? Because it's really insidious when you think about it. I mean, you know, I was told by my uh, school teacher 
um, kindergarten. What's the equivalent of kindergarten in the UK? Happens? Yeah, nursery, so, nursery. Yeah, there you go, nursery or whatever. When you start writing, right? So, so um, uh, basically, when I started writing, my teacher in front of everyone in the classroom said, "Panash Desai, you will never write legibly in your life." Mm. Right. God. I mean, what a thing to say to somebody. Awful. And the irony is, of course, now I'm a best-selling author, right? <laughs> so it's just, so, so we have to be mindful, okay, of where these imprints have come from. And what I can say to everybody is that the very second you start asking the right questions, you'll start finding the right answers and solutions, okay? And the right question is, how do I elevate and expand my vibration and frequency? How do I live from love, right? Who am I, right? The very second you start asking the right questions, all of a sudden the seas will part, the right people will come into your life and they'll start delivering all of this information to you and all of this support to you. And I can say that to you because that's exactly what happened for me. Mm. It's, it's, this is so, I mean, really, a lot of what you're talking about is is manifesting, right? So I wrote, I did a manifesting workshop and part of my seven steps that I created, one of them is removing fear and doubt because we manifest from our subconscious beliefs about ourselves, right? And from our self-worth, but on a subconscious level and mm -hmm. removing this fear and doubt. And it is all the fear and doubt, like you say, that's, that we had programmed into us from, you know, those early ages. And so yeah. essentially to manifest everything you want in your life, you have to decondition yourself, get back to your authentic self, remove fear and doubt. It's a long journey though, right? I mean, it's it not... Be, it, it, it is there any... You say affirmations. I use aff I love affirmations. I think they're a brilliant way to get into your subconscious. Um, what other tools do you think people that can use that are practical to uh, get into your subconscious beliefs about yourself? So when I when I started working with people, I realized very early on that that's exactly what was happening. Was that everything that was there on the subject? So let's say, for example, they had an illness or a disease, and that that was a physically manifested thing in their body. Um, because I was working at the level of energy, vibration, frequency, I was able to support them in clearing out what, whatever there was in the subconscious that was the root cause of the manifestation. And so just to give you a quick kind of vibrational anatomy lesson, uh, at, the, at the deepest essence of who we are as a soul or an authentic self, the layer around that is the emotional layer. The layer around that is the mental layer. The layer around that is the physical body. And then this invisible wall around that is the ego. And transformation has to happen at the level of feeling, at the level of emotion. And so when I created Vibrational Transformation, what I realized was that all these people coming to see me because they wanted to earn more money, they wanted to be healthier, they wanted to uh, have a deeper connection to the God of their understanding, whatever it was. And for me, every single time, when every single person showed up, it was always something in their energy that had to be addressed. And when I addressed it in their energy at the level of emotion and feeling, and it disappeared there, all of a sudden they were experiencing these dynamic breakthroughs. And so one of the fastest ways to transform what's there at the level of subconscious is to approach it at the level of energy, vibration, and frequency. And another point is that it's, it's not so much manifesting, it's really just creating. Like, I, I really believe that we have creative power inside of us. Yeah. And, and, and the reason why I use creating is because it's not a passive process, right? Uh, some people just write their list and think that, you know, whatever's on their list is going to come into the <laughs> I say right? this all the time. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and there's absolutely the potential of that maybe happening if you've addressed what you have to inside of your subconscious and address whatever there is at the level of uh, unresolved emotion, Right. But also people have to understand that, that, that they're co-creating, that they're actively playing a role in that. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're getting impulses from existence and life in every moment. We have to act on them. It's not just about being passive. You know, we also have this thing called intuition, you know, that, that can guide us and support us. And so we're not down here by ourselves, disconnected and without any support. We have all of the support that every great being before us had access to. We have all of the creativity and innovation and insight that every great entrepreneur and inventor had before us. We are that same potential, okay? When we transform at the level of vibration, energy, and frequency, when we change our energy, we change how we feel, we change our lives. And now 
all these neuroscientists are measuring the, the field of energy around the body when we're in a peaceful state, when we're in an angry state, what happens? So now we're beginning to be able to prove what the ancient yogis and mystics have known for millennia, right? That transformation happens at the level of energy, vibration, frequency. And that's why I created vibration transformation, because in some ways it's a shortcut. Now we still have to show up and we still have to be committed. But if you're ready, you really can transform your life. And you can do that by being supported and guided by somebody who's done that for themselves. Can you do it remotely? Yes. Well, so you don't even have to be in uh, physically in, with someone to do it? No, I've, I've, um, I have seven people that I mentor personally, and uh, most of these people are very busy and they can't even come and see me in person. So they're either out touring with their band or mm. they're running a company, a multinational corporation, or they're um, in philanthropy, or they're in social change, social good. And so they don't have the time to come and be with me. So all of the work that I do with them is on the phone. Um, and then I have other people that I do Zoom calls with, which is a part of a program called Impact. Mm-hmm. And then um, I also have uh, meditations and talks and things that I do as a part of Perfect High Design. And so what I've created are three different ways that people can connect with this transformative power Mm. and can literally begin to eliminate all of those things that they're holding on to, that they've repressed or suppressed inside of them so that all of that potential can be liberated. And it's been wonderful to observe. Could I ask you if you could describe what your third defining moment is? I think the third defining moment for me was when I met my wife, Jan. And um, that was a defining moment for me because, honestly, nine days before I met her, I had sworn off relationships. Mm-hmm. And I got to the point where I just threw my hands up to the air and just said, you know what, I'm done. Uh, I get it. I'm just going to be single and I'm just going to share this message and do what, do what I'm here to do. And then nine days later, I meet Jan and she showed up at one of my events. Somebody brought her like kicking and screaming to one of my events. She sat in the back of the room and didn't listen to anything that I had to say. And I was just like, wow, who is this woman? This is amazing. Mm-hmm. And she sat in the back of the room doing her to-do list, just just not engaged at all. And at the end of the program, um, I said, you know, if you're new and you'd like to meet me, come and say hi. And I felt a connection to her, but obviously uh, I didn't know what the, the whole depth of it was at that, in that moment, but I felt a connection to her. And she came over and we looked in each other's eyes and she just started crying. And And I just felt this amazing presence and energy in my heart and I knew that she was always going to be in my life and again because it's one of relationships I thought I was being tested right and I go oh god like great swear off relationships and nine days later you know the universe throws this woman in your life to see if you really if you're really willing to honor your commitment to being single and um and so uh, I was just friends with her for three months and um, we were from two different parts of the world. She's from Minnesota, never met an Indian person, never had Indian food, Roman Catholic. She had a grocery. She had Jesus, which was great. So I could just be normal. She didn't need anything spiritual from me. Um, was just this loving presence, age difference. I mean, she'd been married before the whole thing, mm. you know, and I had, I had none of that. And um, so I thought uh, after about three months since this, I called her and said, listen, I think we should explore this because how I feel about you hasn't changed. And I said, I know on paper it doesn't make any sense at all, but I really love you and I, and I would love to be able to explore this with you. And she said, yes. So two weeks into dating, I introduced her to my mother. And my mother's met every woman I've ever been with and to their face has said to them, please enjoy your time with him, but just know you're not his final destination in life. My mum, Roxy, single-handedly ruined my love life every single time I introduced any woman that I wanted to be with to her. And she meets Jan and she, um, Sister Jan, welcome to the family. Wow. I'm like, welcome to the family? Like, how is this okay? (laughs) Welcome to the family. And she was right. 13 years later, I feel more at home in my body. I have a family. I have the gift of family. I never knew. I have a gift that I didn't even know I wanted. Jan has single-handedly given me every gift that I didn't even know that I ever wanted. And wherever she is, is home for me. And um, and I'm happy to say that because I've just felt so alone and so um, disconnected from everybody that to have a place where I belong and to have a place where I can just be myself and be panache 
without anyone needing anything from me yeah. is the greatest gift of all. And oh, so that. that's my moment. It's the moment I met my wife, Jan. That's so beautiful. And I think, you know, true love is feeling like you're at home, isn't it? It is. You know, and that's not to say that we haven't had our journey and we haven't, you know, had to embrace parts of ourselves and work through things. But the greatest mm. blessing that we have is that we have this willingness to do that. Yes. We have this willingness to consistently mm. look at what's going on inside of ourselves and be responsible for it. And that's the key. Absolutely. I did a workshop last night on relationships and one of them was, excuse my language, but own your own shit and yeah. being able to take responsibility for what is yours and committing to your inner growth and evolution as a person um, and not expecting it of others. But if two people can grow as individuals, then growing together becomes this beautiful journey. Yeah, it's exactly right. And the blessing of it is that when we realize that we're only ever looking in the mirror, mm. we become completely accountable and responsible for everything that we're experiencing. And accountability yeah. and taking responsibility is, gives you such a sense of freedom as well. Yeah. Because at that point, it's no longer incumbent upon our partner to resolve things. Exactly. You know, we realize that we're just bumping up against a part of ourselves that we have yet to embrace. And in the embracing of that, there's more love on the other side of it. I love that. Well, Panesh, before you go, I have 10 quickfire questions for you. Go for it. Okay, uh, your most memorable book? Harry Potter. <laughs> That's been on another one as well. <laughs> Favorite quote? Alan Watts, don't take seriously what the gods themselves only created for fun. Mm, I love that. Most influential mentor? Uh, Jay-Z, even though I've never met him. Why, can I ask? Because he's somebody who intrigues me in, in the way that he's overcome his circumstance and situation. Mm. So I would love to even just have a conversation with him to see how he was able to overcome his circumstance and situation. Because for me, in order for somebody to, to I mean, you know how it is, in order, even for somebody to get out of East London or, you know, any part of the world where yeah. crime is the norm or doing things that aren't necessarily aligned with, you know, life is the norm, for someone to come out of that reality and to be where he is didn't happen by accident. So I would love to know the inner journey that he went through in order to overcome his circumstance and be who he is. I love that. I hope you do get to talk to him and then share it with share it with the world. Um, your go-to feel-good film? Oh, that's tough. Right now we're just watching all these Disney movies because mm. um, I've got four kids. But my, I you know what? I love Aladdin. And you know what? I love the Aladdin with Will Smith. And here's why. Here's the moment that really defined it for me is when Aladdin finally mustered up the courage to let the genie go. And when he finally got to the point where he realized that he was enough and he had everything that he needed inside of him. Oh, yes, I love that. You yeah. can find so much wisdom in Disney you, if you look for it. There is. Um, you can get beyond your parents dying in the beginning. There's <laughs> a lot of wisdom that follows after that trauma. Um, a moment where you felt most proud. Uh, sitting next to Oprah was a huge thing for me because she is an icon and, and uh, she's very discerning about who she has on her show. And we just had the best conversation. And so that was a, a wonderful pat on the back from the universe that I was yes. heading in the right direction. Were you and, nervous? Uh, not at all, no, because it was just the two of us. It's like the two of us having a conversation now. And actually, the, the, the highlight for me was that we filmed that in Chicago. And it was one of the last episodes that she filmed at Harpo Studios in Chicago. And oh, so it's just a wonderful, wonderful conversation. I'll, I'll always remember that. She's such a wonderful human being. She's been so generous to me, to my wife, to my family. I mean, oh. incredible to experience her. Yeah. A song that cheers you up? Oh, that's tough. It depends on... Um, oh, it's tough for you. You're a music man. <laughs> yeah, I love music. It, it, that's a tough one. Um, you know, the, I, I love um, Queen, actually, and I love Freddie Mercury, oh, Farouk Mansari. And, uh, and so anything Freddie-related... Uh, is good for me. Uh, there are some more modern tracks too, but I, I, just, I just seem to like the, again, the man who overcame his circumstance, yeah. 
and his environment and situation to go on to reach millions of people, right? Who are still navigating his own internal incompletions, mm-hmm. you know? So anything queen. Okay. Uh, the top tip for dealing with stress. Understand that you're the source of it. Mm. And when you realize that it's your perception that you're, that you're bringing to the situation that's the source of it, you can begin to relax in the presence of what's going on and that stress will begin to dissipate and dissolve. And so um, just a couple of things that really help is when you're feeling stressed out, breathe into the count of four and exhale to the count of four. And if you need to completely reset your nervous system, meaning that there's something very intense going on, then breathe into the count of four and breathe out to the count of eight. And what these are, are ancient centering practices. And we use the breath to immediately bring us back into the present moment and to reset our nervous system. Thank you. I just did it then as you were talking. I feel good. (laughs) Your guilty pleasure. Oh, that's tough, man. You know what? Watching watching the football on the weekend. You know, I, I still get to watch the English Premier League when I'm out here. <laughs> it just happens a lot earlier. And uh, I, I love watching the football. And I, and I don't really have a favorite team. I, I just love the sport. And uh, I love the characters. And I love mm. Jose Mourinho and, and uh, just his antics. And I just, love, I just love the sport. You know, I grew up playing cricket as well. But cricket's like a foreign universe to people in America. <laughs> So at least um, I can still watch the uh, English Premier League and stay connected. Um, the first three things you do when you wake up. Say thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, go to the mirror and do exactly what I've told everyone to do, which is just affirm uh, the reality that I wish to live in and the feeling state that I wish to embody. And then head over to the kitchen and kiss my wife and drink my celery juice is how it begins typically. And then all the kids jump, jump on me. Oh, my day begins so from there heaven. and I like you're on that uh, celery juice flex it's- I was rough at first man the, 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 the cheese sticks were having a, a, a fight with the celery sticks in the stomach <laughs> and yeah. of course these are the cheese sticks you'll, you'll get this when you get older is it when your kids get older is it you know the, the whole reason why you have them is so you can eat their healthy snacks right <laughs> until you realize that their healthy snacks are not 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 for you they're good for them so, exactly uh, celery juice is a broken me of my cheese stick uh, sneaking cheese sticks uh, <laughs> um one thing you'd like to achieve in the next year love as many people as possible i i feel like i've accomplished everything that there is for me to accomplish personally and I feel like now that my life is just about service. And uh, I really believe that this book, I was having, I was doing an interview with this journalist who came over to my house and we were talking about creatives. And I said, listen, I said, there's a body of work that emerges through a creative at some point. That's the reason why they were born. And I feel like you are enough is, is the reason why I was born to deliver that message and to, and to empower people and loving themselves instead of what they have and what they do. And so I'm just looking forward to loving as many people as possible over the next 10 years and reminding them that they're infinite beings with an infinite potential. I absolutely love that, Panache. Thank you. And the last question, I think I know the answer already, is the first person you call to share good news. Well, the blessing is that typically my wife is with me and she works with me. So she typically gets the good news before I even get it. (laughs) So in my house, I don't have to call anyone. We work from home, so she'll come running into my office and go, "Hey, you'll never guess what!" And uh, and so I'm I'm happy that I that she love gets that bringer of good news into my life. Yeah. Oh, beautiful! Oh. Panache, I mean, this was everything I could have asked for and more. It has been such an enlightening, loving. Um, insightful conversation and I know that everybody listening to it will have learned something really incredibly valuable for themselves for their lives and for the people around them and I think what you do and what you bring to this world is beyond a gift it is truly admirable and incredible and all the other positive adjectives I could think of right now on this moment thank you for coming on the moments that made me and I can't wait to see all the other millions of people's lives that you're going to touch thanks for being who you are and thanks for 
allowing me to share in a moment that I've really enjoyed with you. I love you very much, Roxy. Thanks for everything. Oh, I love you too, Panache. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.